off about a second and a half there. That'll be good. That's when, that is when you're good. That'll be good. We don't want to miss that. Uh, in the book of James, one this week and next week, and we'll be out of James. We're going to be in chapter 5. So much. What a book. If you haven't been taking notes, real quickly, you can write down what went on in chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. Have you got your ink pens ready? <laughs> we started off, but I just want to kind of hit it, and then I'm going to hit it again next week. The more, you, the more you go over stuff, the more you remember. When somebody says, what's in chapter 1, you should know by now. Uh, but written in, they, they estimate written in 48 to 62 A.D. Uh, he, it's interesting, he quotes Matthew 14 times, uh, James does. And uh, Matthew was written between 50 and 65 uh, A.D. Written during the persecution of the church, uh, written during the time that Saul and Stephen situation in Acts 8, uh, the church itself and the city was destroyed in 70 A.D. That's part of the reason they know when it took place. When we get into chapter 5 here in a moment, the very first verse in chapter 5 talks about uh, the woes that's coming. And when you look up at the commentaries, that's what they're talking about. They're talking about that has been prophesied ahead of time. Daniel prophesied in chapter 9. And uh, Luke, and in Luke, Jesus talked about it. But uh, James was... Uh, James wrote, wrote about the church, a very large church. In Acts 2, it tells us it's three to 5,000, which is a large church back then, especially when you consider the number of people. Three to 5,000 now is not a big thing when you've got millions of people in the city, but back then, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a very large church. And then uh, James was stoned to death in 63 A.D. Uh, for what he believed. We don't realize how rough they had it back then. First chapter... Right off the bat, he says, count it all joy. And what he's talking about is life in general, no matter what we go through. And I'm telling you, everybody's going to go through things. No matter what we go through, we've got to recognize that we've got to count it all joy knowing that God's going to take care of it, knowing that he's personally going to, to fix things. Uh, it's interesting, and he comes right back and he says, gain the knowledge that you need to get through it. And then in that, he talks to you. Now, I give you the knowledge now do what I tell you to do. That's, that's the part that he's always getting on the church. This, this particular book is like the book of Proverbs. He's telling you how it needs to be and quit doing some of the stuff you're doing throughout the whole thing. But he, he tells us in there, he says, get the wisdom. I'll give it to you. Just ask and I'll, I'll I love that and I use that a lot. I use that a lot. As a matter of fact, I had a situation that I was dealing with uh, just recently and I said, Lord, Lord, I need, I need the answer and the explanation of what's going on here. And do you know, this was last night. I had a dream. First time this has ever happened. I had a dream that absolutely walked me right through what was taking place and why I did what I did, why I did, while I did what I do. Does that make sense? That I had never seen. And it was like, whoa. And it, so it was so real. Then when I looked at my notes today, I thought, that is so real. All I had to do was ask. And I did. 
but the answer didn't come until last night in a dream. And normally you'll just get this, you know, you're doing things, you just get these thoughts from your inner man. But it was a full-out dream. And then I go back to the scripture that said, in the end times, young men will have dreams. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Give me a little, give me a little feedback here. But anyway, then he said, don't be, if you get the answer, don't be double-minded. Know that the answer is the truth, and know the truth, and just let the truth then set you free and walk in it and know that it's going to be okay. Uh, and then he says, line your mouth up with your word then in, in the midst of that. There's a lot in that first chapter, but it sets you up for all the rest is coming on. Uh, then he gets in chapter 2, and he talks about being prejudiced. And people that have little or people that have a lot, why is it that we're, we're treating people differently? Everybody has the same spirit. Everybody has the same opportunity. And no matter if you're rich or poor, folks, Jesus is Jesus no matter what goes on in your heart. And he, he takes care of you. And he wants you, to, he wants you to, he also goes in chapter 2 and he wants you to, faith, he tells you that faith without works is dead. Yeah, you can say you're a believer, but do you serve anybody? You can say you're a believer, but are you touching anybody's hearts? You can say you're a believer, but are you walking in truth? You can say you're a believer, but do you gossip? You can say you're a believer, so you've got to work your faith. You've got to trust what God's given you. And, and I, look at that, I look at that particular area is that that's inside of you, the fruit of the Spirit that's inside of you, He is going to produce that if you just allow it and work it and and step out in faith in the things that you know you should be doing. Kind of like uh, was just being told to the young people here. When you hear God's voice, just do it. When you hear God's voice, just, just be obedient to it and watch what God does. God's not going to force any of us. And he's not going to put condemnation on you if you do something wrong. He's just going to tell you the right way to do. The right way to do. And he continually tells you the right way to do by his word and, and what goes on. Then chapter 3, I, I that's that should be everybody's favorite chapter because that's everybody's biggest problem. Your mouth. My mouth. But at the same time, it can be the biggest answer because it's according to what you do with it. If you've got a problem with somebody, the best thing you can do is to get with that person and have conversation and share your heart and them share their heart they have an opinion, you have an opinion. Now, that doesn't mean that theirs is right or yours is right. That just means you know how each other's feeling and why they're thinking and doing what they're doing. But if you use your mouth wrongly all the time, then you're just heading the wrong way and you're going to destroy yourself. The tongue's the most powerful thing we've got. I don't care what goes on. If you can't say something good, then you're using your tongue wrong, according to chapter 3. It'll destroy it'll destroy as much as it'll build up. And then we go on and we can look at the other scriptures as Ephesians tells us, don't say anything unless you impart grace. Well, what's grace? Grace is something that that person doesn't need, deserve. We don't deserve to be saved. We don't deserve to be forgiven. But yet God forgave us. And it's the same with the words. He said, impart grace. So instead of saying something to about, about anybody or to anybody that's going to hurt them, say something good. Just learn to say something good. Amen. Just, just learn to shut up when you don't have something good to say. Just, that's a better way to say it, but I like shut up. Just be quiet. No, just shut up. 
Yeah, I mean, we're all guilty of this. And if you look back in your past, every problem you've had come from what's been said by you or somebody else. And if everybody would just... Chapter 3, I, I, I could just preach on that every week. I mean, to me, that's... If we can get our tongue in line, if we can purpose to say things... Now, we're going to say things... We're going to say things that's going to hurt people because they don't understand the heart of what you're saying. But that's not... That's not I'm not talking about that. We're, gonna, we're accidentally going to say things we don't mean to hurt. But when you're purposely saying things about somebody or you're purposely cutting somebody down or you're purposely just ripping on somebody, what is your problem? Because from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you've obviously got a root problem about the situation that you need to deal with and you need to fix and you need to repair. And then chapter 4, he jumps in to saying, hey, you need to start sanctifying a little bit here. You are sanctified, but... Uh, let's start living what the word says. Let's let's start let's start let's start recognize that if you're going to run with worldly people, you're going to pick up worldly habits. If you're going to if you're going to watch worldly programs, you're going to, you're going to end up being worldly. Whatever you put your attention to, is the is what you're eventually going to get in your heart. And from wherever you get in your heart, which I just said, wherever you get in your heart, Whatever kind of music you listen to is what you usually comes out of your heart and you sing. If you spend time listening to country western, and there's some good music, and I'm not cutting them down, but, but you'll find that, that when you're talking about somebody getting drunk and losing their girlfriend and them running around having an affair, then that's what comes out of your, your mouth when you speak. If you listen to music that's uplifting Jesus and uplifting people, then that's what you're going to speak and that's what you're going to sing. And that's what he's basically saying in that chapter. Hey, what you got needs to go to work. What, what's there? And, and then, he, then he says, and by the way, if you're, pri if you're full of pride, you don't have much grace. Because he says, I only give grace to the humble. Well, what's a humble person? A humble person is somebody that knows that they're not first. That knows that God is first. That knows that anything they've got has been given to them by God. And that knows that any talent they have has been given to them by God. And recognizes maybe they can do it, but knows that they can't do it without him. When your feet hit the floor in the morning and, you can, and you're breathing, number one, you're ahead of the ball game. And number two, don't ever get up and say, I can do this because you're going to find that you can't do this. And he ends the chapter by literally saying that. Don't start saying what you're going to do without talking to me first. Don't make plans and then say, now, would you bless that? Because first, let's get his plan and then know that he's going to bless that and follow what he's going to do. God is, is, is an awesome God. This book of James, if, if, if you would just read it and 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 read it, you'd be surprised, especially if you can find one that's got notes and stuff in the bottom of it that, that talks about what's going on. Chapter 5. I'm going to do just 12 verses tonight, and we're going to close and have ice cream. I'm done. Let's go. No. I want to re I'm reading out of the Passion Bible, which has been really a, a different challenge for me because I'm used to the New King James, but I like the way this reads. It starts off, it says, Listen, all you who are rich, for it's time to weep and howl over the misery that will overtake you. 
Well, when you look at the commentaries on the first verse there, he's really talking, what he's talking about is what is said uh, in Luke and what is said by Daniel that the city that you're living in and the, the time that you're having and the church you're in, all this money that you're holding back and all this money you've got and all the things that you've got is all going to go to waste because misery and woe is coming. It's interesting though, now in this translation, the Aramaic word for, let me look, for misery refers to demonic torment. So it says, listen all of you who are rich, for it's time to weep and howl over the demonic torment that will overtake you. Well, if you think about it, that, that's true because it's the Aramaic word, but then the other translations are saying it's, it's what's coming that's going it's to come down on you. Look at, the, look at the, the torment you would have if everything you've got all of a sudden turns to nothing. Well, we, we had it during the Great Depression in the 20s, and men, jumped, men and women jumped off of buildings killing themselves because they had nothing left. They had millions before, but they have nothing now. I looked the other day. We were, we were watching... We were watching, Donna, what were we watching? Were the, the Hawaiian guy, I, the American Idol. We were just watching to see who's going to win the American Idol. And Katie, one of the women that does the judging and stuff, Katie, I looked it up on Google. She's, and it's her business and it's her money, and I'm not cutting her down. $330 million she's worth. Now, somebody like that, Anybody like that's got that kind of money has got to be so careful. And that's what, that's, what, that's what the fifth chapter is talking about. You've got to be so careful when you don't have to depend on God for anything. You know, when you've got that kind of money, and I'm not cutting her down and criticizing. Please hear my heart here. The fact is, though, if you don't ever have to think about what anything costs, if you don't ever have to think about any, any gas prices or anything, then what you're saying is, I don't really need to believe for anything because I've got any, everything that I need. And he deals with this in this uh, about the money that, that people have and how they got the money. It's pretty interesting how it goes on. Well, let's move on in this. It says, verse 2, Your riches lie rotting, your fine clothing eaten by moths, and your gold and silver are corroded as a witness against you. You have hoarded up treasure for the last days, but it will become fire to burn up your flesh. Listen, can't you hear the cries of the laborers over the wages you fraudulently held back from those who work for you? The, the cries of the justice of those you've cheated have reached the ears of the Lord of the armies. So many, and boy, especially nowadays, so many now of your upper echelon in the, in the political arena, they're doing nothing but pushing us down more and more and more and more and more. It's got bad enough now that child trafficking is the number two and becoming the number one moneymaker for the politicians. Now, I'm not talking all the politicians, but there are some involved in it. It's outdoing, it's outdoing the drug industry and the cartels. It's outdoing the arms, the arms cartels. It's outdoing all that. Think about it. And think about the people that are working, slaving for the minimum wage where they should be making more money when there's more money being made. 
And I understand how all things work, but at the same time, he's talking to the ones back in his church. Listen, you're making all this money, and everybody over here, is, they're crying out. And, and you, you separate them. And he goes back. What he's doing is he's going back in the book, in his book that he wrote. And he's saying, listen, you're treating them terrible. You're, you're making them to where they don't have anything. And you've got more than you can ever in a million years spend. And, and you're, you're, causing, you're causing heartache. And it, the, the, the cries are coming up to the Lord. And that will all come out. And, and it's an interesting thing how he, you know, the rich, remember the rich young ruler? In Matthew 19, where he said, what do I need to do? What do I? And he said, well, do this and do this and love this and love that. I've done all them my whole life. I've done it all. Then he said to him, take everything you've got and give it away or sell it and give it to the poor. What did he do? He walked off sad because he knew he had to have it because that's what he leaned on instead of God. See, we've got to be at a place in our walk in life, no matter what goes on, no matter what takes place, we've got to be able to rest in him. And we, we don't want to be the kind of person that is hoarding money up and that becomes our God. So many people, do, so many people will move to a job to make more money, and what they need to be doing is moving for God and then let him put you in a job to make the money. Don't make making money the thing in your life. And I'm talking to everybody here and everybody that's listening because that's what he's talking about. He obviously had people in the church that were terrible with the money situation. Then it goes on in verse 5 there. Be patient with me. I've still got one eye that's not working properly and I'm having to... i got one eye that's... i got one eye that I can't hardly see out of so it's making the other eye fight and so they're giving me a headache within about a half hour when I read. You have indulged yourself with every luxury and pleasures. Listen to what it says. You have indulged yourself with every luxury and pleasure this world offers. But you're only stuffing your heart full of the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered good and innocent people who had no power to defend themselves. It says in the, in the translation that he was referring to, in your heart, you treat them horrible. And it says in the Word that if you, if you think about destroying somebody in your heart, you've done it anyway. And that's what he's talking about here. You've treated the people that have worked for you and made the money and made you rich and made you wealthy. You've treated them horribly and you've stored all this stuff up and all it's going to do is pull you down. Now money, he's not, he's not condemning money at all. We have to have finances to operate. We have to have finances to do. He's just saying, you out there that are, that are living for money, you out there that are only thinking about money, you out there that, that are, that's bigger than me, and I'll do anything to get it. I'll cheat, I'll steal, I'll sell a little child to make money. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Could you, there's not, this is my own translation, there's not a big enough hell for someone that would take a child and sell them to someone. I got such a heart for kids anyway. The, the movie that's coming out, uh, Donna and I have been talking about it. I don't, I, she's like me. I don't know that I can, I can watch it. I'll cry through the whole thing. I'll get mad through the whole thing. But yet we've got to, we need to know that's going on so we can start stopping it. So we can start praying. But that's what he's saying here. 
Because he's talking to rich people to do these kind of things. Because anybody that makes big, you know, it's, it's interesting. A, a politician can come into it, come into their position, and be and be worth one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and then by the time they get out in four years, they're worth millions. I mean, it's it's almost all the upper ones that do this. You say, well, Pastor, why are you bringing that up? Because where did they get the money? They cheated and they stealed, stealed, they stole. And I guess because this trafficking thing's getting so big, how could anybody? You got to be so full of demons. But that's what James is talking about. And now he's not talking about trafficking then. But if if you look at what went on in some of the Old Testament times, they killed babies. They butchered babies. They did all this. We, you think, God, how long are you going to wait to take us out of here when this kind of stuff goes on? But if we listen to James, we can know how to pray and how to straighten out our lives and how to pray and straighten Because prayer, folks, is the only way. Uh, Furman, Mr. Furman here, when he talked about communications, when he talked about talking, I'm telling you what, that is the only thing that's going to change any of this. In our time alone, just be talking to God about what's going on in the, in the politics. In our time alone, talk about... And, and you don't judge somebody. He gets into that later on. You don't judge somebody, but, but you come against what's going on in their lives, and you come against what's pulling them down, and you come against what's, what's pulling... Well, for example, our youth. We got half the youth we used to have in the whole building. Well, part of that is because we don't have the, the, kid, the parents having kids, but where are the kids that are on the streets? Why aren't they here like they used to be? Prayer, prayer, prayer is the only answer to this. It's the only thing that's going to fix it. And James is a, he's addressing a lot of this in what's going on here. But he goes on, then he says, Meanwhile, brothers and sisters, in verse 7, Meanwhile, brothers and sisters, we must be patient. Now, he's talking to the ones that are getting persecuted. He said, We must be patient and filled with expectation as we wait for the appearing of the Lord. Think about the farmer who has patiently waited for the earth's harvest as it ripens because of the early and latter rains. What he's saying, he, he's talking to the ones that are doing the bad, and then he's talking to the ones in the church that are getting persecuted and getting beat up and, and going through hard times. He say, listen, he goes back to first, the first chapter, count it all joy as he's telling them, but then he's, he's reinforcing himself here and he say, listen, be patient and trust God. He's going to pull you through whatever you're going through. Be patient and make sure you wait on him and don't get to the place of, of being. Look what the farmer does. I mean, think about it. If you're planting grass seed, let's just talk about us. If you're planting grass seed, you plant it properly and then you tend to it. But who makes it grow? He, I mean, how in the world can you take that little grass seed and it, there's no way we can do it. But we do our part by keeping it damp and keeping it wet and doing and attending to the faith, attending to the faith that's in us and watching God then bring forth that that you've asked for in chapter 2 and 3. You, if you've got a problem, ask me. Now do it. Tend it in faith. And he's saying here, these guys are ripping you off and you're not making the money you should be making. I hear you crying out. That's what he's saying here. But you just be patient. I will take care of you and I will take care of them. But at the same time, 
What's amazing about God is he loves the one that's ripping them off as much as he loves you. Now, that's where I struggle with God sometimes because that's that way we are. You mean the one that's hurt me over there, you love just as much? The one that just cussed me out, you love them just as much? Yeah, he does. They're just not where you are in the things of God. They haven't matured and walked through, but they will. Did you hear me? But they will. And we've just got to be patient in whatever we're going through in life, however we're getting ripped off, and we've got to just say, okay, God, you got this. It goes on and it says, so you also keep your hopes high and be patient, for the presence of the Lord is drawing closer. Since each of you are part of God's family, never complain and grumble about each other. When, it's, it's funny how when we get something going on in our lives, when we lose our patience, we then tend to be grouchy. Nobody but me? Isn't it funny? And, and you'll, somebody will say to you, what's your problem? Oh, you just can't believe the day I'm having. Well, what's that got to do with you? I mean, really, if you think about it, whatever's happening in your day, chapter 1 tells us to count all joy. And in that same chapter, he says, ask for the answer and do what I give you the answer. And then here it's saying the same thing. If you're going through a hard time, be patient and don't be a grouch. Be kind. And if you're having a bad day, just have it. <laughs> you can't change it by worrying. That he talks about a lot in the Bible. Why are you wasting your time worrying about a problem? Just read James, would you? I mean, that's really, if you, if you get with it, just read James and follow what I've got for you. It goes on and it says, Since each of you are a part of God's family, never complain or grumble about, it, about each other so that judgment will not come upon you. Oh, we know that one. We've read it over and over. If you judge somebody for the way they are, then you are going to have the same thing come upon your life. If we could get a hold of that, we would quit judging people. Oh, really? That you want to be just like that person you're saying how bad they are? It'll happen. For the true judge is near and very ready to appear. Then verse 10 says, My brothers and sisters, my brothers and sisters, take the prophets as your mentors. They have prophesied in the name of the Lord, and it brought them great suffering, yet they patiently endured. Well, think about James that wrote this. He didn't more than have the ink dried, and he got stoned to death. Have you ever really thought about what happens when they stone a person to death? They literally throw rocks until you die. Hit you. And don't you know if your mindset is to be the one that's throwing the rock, how perfect a rock you would try to find that you could throw as hard as you could find? And that's what took place. And they all got in a, all around them and just threw rocks and hit the people until they, until they died. And, you know, I can remember going down to the creek and throwing rocks, and then you, then you, then you really get frisky, and you reach down, and you grab them great big slabs, and you throw them. Well, it's the same thing with what took place there with, with James. But in it all, he knew God had him. And he knew his day was probably ending. 
but he also knew where he was going to be immediately when it was over. But that's, that's where we got to be with life. It's kind of like Carl. He fought the fight, but my goodness, that morning that he passed away, he instantly was above the bed looking down and watching all of us that were there and going, hey, I'm okay, by the way. But yet God's got to sit up so we can't hear that. But that is what's going on. The Bible tells us that there's a great cloud of witnesses watching over all of us. And I believe that's part of it. They've got it. They've, they've, they've got it. They've, they've actually the ones that's got it made. We honor them as our heroes because they remain faithful even while enduring great suffering. And then he brings up Old Testament. And you have heard about Job, all that Job went through. And we can now see that the Lord ultimately treated him with wonderful kindness, revealing how tender-hearted he really is. Job lost everything. His kids, his family, all his belongings, everything, but yet Job never, ever turned. He even had people say, curse God, curse God. Look what he's doing to you, and you believe in God? Yeah, God's got me. God's going to take care of me. Think how bad it, just think about it. You get sickness that, that completely overwhelming, you lose your health, and then now you lose all your crops, you lose all your farm, you lose all whatever you have, your worldly possessions, you lose everything, and then now all of a sudden your kids start dying off and you lose your kids, and all the while he stood and stood and stood. So any little suffering that we go through, hard times, people hurting us, all that goes on with that, we've got to learn that James has got the answer to all this. Just trust me and watch me walk through this. Watch me. My son Chris is a good example of being able to, to put this to work. We sent another Bible out yesterday from here. Somebody that got saved and just, just got on fire with Jesus. All because he's in prison and counting it all joy and does every day of his life. Every day of his life. We've been, uh, Neil started, what do they call it, Zoom call? Where he can see. So he he walked the sanctuary and and, and he got, Chris got a little teary-eyed a little bit in it all. And, and Neil said, you want me to stop? Stop? He said, no. He said, no. This is what I need to see. I need to, I need to see that everything's going on. Because I've got everything going on here. He's living the book of James. And he's counting it all joy. Did he all the time? Well, no, none of us do it all the time. But he's gotten a place now where he's recognized, this is my only way to survive. And I'm telling you, you all got it good now. Things are going to get tough. And we've got to get the book of James so in us that it doesn't matter what happens. We trust God. And we ask him for the answer. And somehow we count it all joy that he's going to pull us through and he's going to bring us to that place of understanding that it's going to be okay and he's going to take care of us. And I love how, I'm going to end this right here. I love how this last part, above all, it says, verse 12, Above all, we must be those who never need to verify our speech as truthful by swearing by the heavens or the earth or any oath. But instead, we must be so full of integrity that our yes and our no is convincing enough and we do not stumble into a hypocrisy. In a time where there is absolutely no integrity left in the world, we as Christians have got to start standing Everything's got to be honest. Relationships between each other's got to be honest. Uh, 
people, friends, family, church people. Everything's got to be honest. You've got to walk in integrity. You can't, don't hide anything. Just quit doing what you shouldn't be doing. But walk in integrity in your life. If you say, I'm going to be there at 7, you be there unless the car blows up. You, if, you, if you give your word about something, they're going to know it's going to happen. That's integrity. That's what needs to take place in this world right now because there is no integrity any place. I mean, it's got so, it's now that truth is a lie and a lie is a truth when it comes to the news and all that's going on. And we've got to recognize that we, we've got to be the starter of this. And that's what he, it's crazy. This is a long time ago he wrote this. And the same problem was going on then that it's going on now, except now it's escalated to the place where, folks, we're the only ones that's got the truth. But we need to be truthful people. We need to walk in such integrity that everything we say, everything we do, the person that we're talking to knows it's going to happen and trust them in that. And we've got to come to a place that know that God's got this. We've got about seven minutes. We can talk a little bit and then sneak out and get the ice cream before the kids do. That was my plan. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, that your word is so true. And Lord, help us to... A simple book, just a simple five chapters, just a few pages could totally transform and change our lives if we just spend time meditating on what you say and knowing that your word is truth, your word is reality of what's going on in our lives. And if we'll just do the things that it says in here, count it all joy, ask for help, take the answer, walk our faith, be good to people, just trust in you and all that goes on, Father. Build ourselves up in, in the word and, and allow us to change a little bit at a time and become the Christian that you want us to be. And in, as we said here in verse 12, a person that will walk in integrity in everything in our lives and watch you take care of us in that integrity. We love you. We thank you. We give you all the praise in everything in our lives, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You got about five minutes and it'll be ice cream time. Call you blessed.